there, I'm Andrea Koppel, and it's time for coffee, the podcast where you get to hear firsthand what the jobs and careers that interest you the most are really like. Hey there, Java junkies. Welcome back to another episode of T for C. Are you obsessed with coffee and not just with drinking it, but with perhaps even breaking into growing it and harvesting it? Then this is the episode for you because my next guest founded Gold Mountain Coffee Growers in Nicaragua in 2007 as a social enterprise to help small and medium-sized coffee producers in that Latin American country connect directly with U.S., Canadian, and European coffee roasters. But before I introduce you to Ben Weiner, I want to make sure you've signed up for the Java Junkies Journal. That's T4C's weekly newsletter with unique insights into dozens of different industries from the professionals working in them. Just head over to the Time for Coffee website at time, the number four, coffee.org, and the sign up box is right there. Now, my entrepreneurial espresso lovers, please grab your mug and take a chug of your favorite caffeinated brew because it's time for another caffeinated career conversation. And my guest is Ben Weiner, the founder, president, and CEO of Gold Mountain Coffee Growers, a direct trade social enterprise that connects the farmers of exquisite specialty coffees in Nicaragua with roasters around the world. Ben founded Gold Mountain Coffee Growers in 2007 to cut out the middlemen, thereby increasing prices for farmers by up to 100%. As part of his social entrepreneurial endeavors, Ben has carried out a whole bunch of economic empowerment activities, which we'll be getting into in his main time for coffee interview. So check out show notes to see if that episode has already dropped. From 2008 to 2013, Ben served as legislative assistant to U.S. Senator Sheldon Whitehouse, advising the senator on U.S. foreign policy. And from 2013 to 2015, Ben was advocacy counsel at Human Rights First, where he worked to ensure that U.S. policy towards foreign countries promoted a strong rule of law and human rights by collaborating with the U.S. Congress, with international organizations, businesses, and members of civil society around the world. Since 2015, Ben has been working full-time on Gold Mountain Coffee Growers, which has its own farm in Nicaragua called Finca Idealista. Ben, welcome to Time for Coffee. (laughs) I don't know if I have to ask you this question. Are you caffeinated and ready to go? Yes, every day, every morning. (laughs) I love it. So what are you drinking today? So today I had a natural process coffee that we call the Tropical Fruit Symphony by two farmers, Roger and Isabel. And this coffee tastes so complex. It tastes like everything from mango to blueberries to honey. It's incredible. So it sounds sweet. Yes, very much so. Oh, well, we are doing this interview right now in the middle of July. And I know that even though you live many months of the year in Nicaragua, you are currently in Washington, D.C., where it is like a bazillion degrees. Yeah, it was about 100 yesterday. (laughs) I know. I'm actually in the area too. Like oppressively hot. And 
I guess, is that similar to what you experience in Nicaragua or are you in the mountains? Yeah, it's totally different in the mountains. So you land in the capital, Managua, Nicaragua. And if you're coming to visit us, which roasters do all the time, then you just start driving straight north and the temperature drops as you climb an altitude. And when you're up on our farm, it's more like in the 70s or maximum in the 80s. It would be very rare for it to be in the upper 90s like it is right now in D.C. So what the heck are you doing in D.C. in the middle of the summer? Riding out the pandemic. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> I would actually think it would be better being in the middle of the mountains away from civilization. <laughs> yeah. Family commitments and making sure that we're all okay together. Okay. So yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yep. Well, I am thrilled to have this opportunity to speak with you, Ben, and learn more about, especially for our young listeners, how they can get into this industry. Yeah. Let's dive into our 10 espresso shots. The first one being what entry-level jobs, especially in a time of a pandemic, are available to young people, Ben, who want to break into this field? It is more challenging in the pandemic. In general, in non-pandemic, but also in pandemic times, I would seek out internships. There are more and more ways to be entrepreneurial virtually. So young people can offer their services to they might think, okay, I want to work in the coffee supply chain field. I should go work for a giant importer. But actually, I would say that people should reach out much more where the chain starts. So reach out to farms, reach out to farming groups, reach out to organizations that work on the coffee supply chain and some of the social and environmental aspects of it. If you can actually be physically present. Try to become a roaster's apprentice if you have an interest in getting into coffee roasting, which has a can have a very positive impact on the supply chain through purchasing decisions of ethical coffees. And you could try to be a barista, although that's obviously challenging right now. But if you're going to be a barista, I would advocate people trying to work for companies that practice ethical sourcing. So not just because that a coffee is certified. Unfortunately, nowadays certifications don't mean as much. But look at where that company is getting their coffee. Do they know the families of the farmers, of the pickers even? Do they spend time going to coffee origins where coffee's grown and getting to really know the ins and outs of where the coffee that they're roasting is coming from so that there's a lot of meaning behind it and they're having a positive impact in the world? And also, you can work in coffee by first doing a lot of other things, do anything that you can find that's very entrepreneurial. And I think that the coffee industry needs more entrepreneurship. It's going through a lot of change right now, especially with the state of the world. But even before that, it was going through a lot of change. So if you have some entrepreneurial experiences, that will really behoove you when you want to break into the field of coffee. Oh, gosh, that is such a wonderful, helpful answer. I have a couple of follow-ups on that. And sure. one being, are there websites, Ben, where are you listeners could find some of these family farms or some of these ethical sourcing companies that they could intern with or just learn more about? First of all, if anyone's interested in ever 
going to volunteer on our farm in Nicaragua. We've had a lot of volunteers come through. So you can go to our website, goldmountaincoffeegrowers.com, or we're on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. It's goldmtncoffee, and just reach out, send us a DM or an email. But also search around on the internet and find coffee farms out there and reach out. I mean, when I was first looking for jobs in public policy, I think I sent out back in the day, it was faxes to every UN development program office around the world just to try to find internships. And, you know, think a little bit out of the box when you're reaching out and maybe you see a coffee farm somewhere in Ecuador or Nicaragua or Kenya or wherever it might be that's doing something different and you want to learn more, get in touch with them. Ask if you can come volunteer. Make sure to obviously do it in a safe way. Maybe go with a friend. But yeah, reach out and go think out of the box in your search. Yeah. What a concept, right? But I was mm-hmm. thinking if there was some kind of aggregating blog aggregating or, one. or job board, that's actually something maybe somebody could start because that would yeah. be super helpful. That yes. would be another way to kind of give back. The other question that I have that I probably should have started out with is, mm-hmm. could you just give us broad brushstrokes and lay out for us all the pieces involved in a coffee supply chain to help us visualize where they might be able to insert themselves. Yes. So I'm going to take a deep breath. Let's see if I can. Okay, me too. It's going to take a few breaths. Okay. So you grow coffee for about five years before it's strongly producing on a farm. After about five years, you can finally harvest. So there's harvesting. Then you have to either dry the coffee if it's a natural process, just as it is as a cherry. Coffee grows inside a cherry on a small tree. Or if it's honey process, you pass it through a machine that takes it out of the cherry and then you dry it. If it's wash process, you then ferment it. A lot of similarities with winemaking. And then you wash it and then you dry it all Throughout this chain, we're sorting at all different levels. Then you hull it, so you take off this paper-like layer that's around each bean in the dry hulling at the dry mill. Then you sort it some more on density tables, which sort it out by weight and density. You can also sort it out by screen size. Then you either have electronic sorting machines or human beings sorting or both. Then you prepare it for exports. There are exporters that work on that. And you prepare it for importers. There are importers that work on that, except for in our case where we cut out all these levels of the supply chain. And then it goes to roasters who roast it. And then either they have their own shops or they provide it to coffee shops or universities, hospitals, anyone directly in the public who can buy it online. And then it's you guys, consumers, who are all of us who are drinking it. That's the coffee supply chain in a nutshell. And there are lots more steps, but that's a quick overview. Okay. Well, we're going to get into the minutiae in the meantime for coffee interview. Again, check out show notes to Mm -hmm. see if that has already dropped. But thank you so much for that. Sure. So Ben, what is a useful hard and soft skill that you look for in the people that you hire at Gold Mountain Coffee Growers? Yeah. So we're a specialty coffee farming group, as you described so well. And so it depends where you're working for us. But let's say if you were in the U.S., or this part of the world, not Nicaragua, looking for a job with us, you would need to be good at numbers, be 
very, very organized and pay attention to detail, be good at design, creative. Really, we're looking for kind of a renaissance person back in the day, maybe even how to describe it, but someone who's very multifunctional and has a lot of different skill sets. So they're not just a good writer, period, or they're not just a great mathematician, period, but kind of well-rounded with all those different skills. And so those are some hard skills. And then soft skills, which I'd say are just as important, being very entrepreneurial, being able to come up with new ideas, new approaches, not just accept the status quo of how things are done or how systems function. Maybe look at our website and say, oh, wait a minute, why aren't we doing this other thing? Why don't we have Shopify in our Instagram account or doing things that take us to the next level, but also thinking even at a bigger level of changing the entire paradigm about how coffee markets systems function so that you can help us achieve more social and environmental justice, which are our goals, fighting poverty through coffee and and improving the environment through coffee quality. Love it. Now, when you say someone needs to be good with numbers on Mm -hmm. the hard skill side, Yes. What does that look like? So what kind of functionality are you looking for? So we have to keep track of inventory down to the last fraction of a pound of coffee. And when you're shipping it, it's now gotten to be hundreds of thousands of pounds of coffee around the world, exporting it and importing it. You have to be providing very precise numbers to customs so that you're not causing unnecessary inspections, which are very expensive. And you have to be making sure that customers get exactly what they order, that you have a handle on the inventory. We do billing. So we have to send out invoices. Obviously, they have to be very precise so that customers are happy and know exactly what they're getting and what they're paying for. And yeah, just keeping track of all of the logistics and product and funds and exchange rates. In terms of coffee itself, if you come visit us in Nicaragua, you'll see that you receive this product from a mountain and it still has moisture in it. It still has parchment on it and it's nowhere near the final product. There are all kinds of conversions to make estimates about what yields are going to be. It's a very complex, it might seem simple, but it's a very complex product. Mm, My goodness. So what about someone's major, Ben? Mm -hmm. Is it a deciding factor to get into your profession? And if that is the case, what majors do you think are most useful to have? So there aren't deal breakers, at least in terms of working for us, if you have the right skill sets and you can show that you have them. So we've had people work for us who have studied advertising, others who have been even a a math major, others who have studied design. And it's more about what you are capable of actually doing. So maybe you studied philosophy and it didn't seem like it was so connected to coffee. But if you can show that you're very creative, we actually take people in and we give them a test or now we are doing it virtually before they start working for us to just kind of get it experience of a day in the life of Gold Mountain coffee growers. And if you can show that you can perform, then you're going to make it with us and with other companies. You probably do want to show at least if it's not just on your resume in terms of your education that you have had either jobs or internships and experiences that will let you perform well in that given company. We should also let our listeners know (laughs) that you were a poli-sci major. Yes, and in law school. (laughs) And then law school. So it's not like you studied math or maybe you took a 
class in it or economics or things like that. But you did all of this post-graduation. Yes. So that's the thing about entrepreneurs. They have to be good at learning new skills and having a, a general basis, but being able to break off into something that maybe they're not exactly comfortable with from the start. And so that was definitely the case for me. I mean, I didn't expect to become a coffee farmer and helping run this, our whole producing group. I expected to, you know, just kind of be working in the Senate in international policy or before that in high school, I always thought that I was going to work on education policy. I love policy, but actually the business world has a lot of a huge ability to, to make a positive impact in the world, which is the same reason why I at first started out with policy. And in the Senate, I worked a lot at improving systems. And it's the same thing working in coffee. I mean, we're improving efficiencies so that farmers and communities can earn a living to a much greater extent than they were by cutting out all these bottlenecks and getting the coffee with higher quality and in a more efficient way to roasters. Absolutely. I agree 100% with everything you said. And prior to starting Time for Coffee, I had worked at a global humanitarian development organization, Mercy Corps. And I was yeah. there for six years. And one of many things that I learned there is the power that the private sector can have in positively impacting the bottom of the pyramid. And yep. that's why Mercy Corps has partnered with so many corporations because ultimately they can reach scale. And that's the holy grail, which maybe we can talk about more in our main interview. And I also agree with you on the policy front. If you can positively affect government policies, both of the donor countries, big countries like the United States and Great Britain and the European Union, but also of the countries that are struggling, like in Nicaragua, you can really reach scale and help a lot of folks. So Ben, you mentioned that you got your law degree. How mm -hmm. important do you think it is to have a grad school degree, less so for entry level people, but maybe more so for somebody who wants to have a huge impact and perhaps even start their own social enterprises you did or work in the corporate world, but maybe working more, whether it's corporate social responsibility or working on business-oriented interventions. Do you think it's important to have a grad school degree? And if so, which ones? That's a great question. For the most part, from what we've seen in looking at writing samples and interviewing people and looking at products that they've put out in school or even in work, it does seem that people with graduate degrees have had some more time to refine their writing and professional skills. But that isn't to say that someone without a graduate degree wouldn't be able to really advance if they are driven and kind of like that renaissance person that we spoke about. So I mean, if you had a graduate degree in finance, yeah, it would be amazing. We'd, lo we'd love to have you working for us. And if you had a graduate degree, maybe in some other area, that would be definitely a positive factor. But at the end of the day, just racking up degrees isn't really what's going to let you get ahead. It might be what gets you in the door, but you're going to have to prove yourself and show that you really have the skills and also just the desire 
to be helping the company organization that you're working for or that you're leading get ahead. And it's more about the people who are driven and committed that are going to get ahead over the long term. Do you think an MBA would be useful? You mentioned you'd love to have somebody who Mm -hmm. had a graduate degree in finance, but Mm -hmm. what about more of a kind of comprehensive business degree? My wife keeps saying, you should get an MBA. And I have friends that have recently got MBAs. And an MBA can be useful, but at the same time, a lot of it is about contacts that you make and that then let you bounce ideas off of people. I mean, it is about a way of thinking. So yes, it would be valuable to have a business approach definitely to an entrepreneurial environment and be helping with systems and finding new efficiencies. So I would definitely say it would be helpful, but it's not the be all and end all. If you're very committed and driven, you could take a company from zero to full throttle without an MBA. But but again, you know, it's useful. Just think about the investment versus the amount of time that you could spend advancing yourself and not paying a huge sum for that degree. So it's just you have to look at your circumstances and weigh the pros and cons. Yeah, there's a definite cost benefit analysis to do. And we yep. didn't even mention the advantage, perhaps, of having a master's in international development, because mm-hmm. in effect, you're working in the development field right now with your social yes. enterprise. Yes, we've had people work for us who have had degrees in international relations. And it's it's usually almost, it's not just that degree, but it's the person who's pursued that degree hopefully has traveled more and thought about our place, his or her place in the world and how different companies and countries interact. And so it's more about ways of thinking. I mean, I got a law degree and yes, I did work as a lawyer and international policy advisor in the Senate, but now, and now I'm working on coffee. It's not that my law degree is useless in coffee. I mean, I'm still working on contracts, but it's also about a way of thinking and problem solving. And so a degree in international relations, an MBA, a law degree, whatever your degree might be, if it's helped you think outside the box and apply new ways of thinking outside the box to solve problems in our world, then that's where a lot of the value is going to come in. So it's really about you, not just the degree. It's what you make of it and what you do with it. Yeah, 100%. So Ben, what about life experiences, those experiences that we have outside the classroom? What, Mm -hmm. in your opinion, are the most useful ones for someone to have starting out in this field? I know, for instance, while you were in college, you did, in effect, a junior year abroad Mm -hmm. in Nicaragua and Cuba. Yes, So yeah, one of my, well, I can get into regrets later, but I I wish I'd done more study abroad. So I would say life experiences that are important are taking risks. So not unsafe risks, but which nowadays is a very different panorama to look at, but traveling when it's safe to do so, starting a business, even if you fail. I mean, you, for people listening who are in high school or earlier, even if it's something that maybe you're not starting the next Microsoft. I mean, if there are any very young people starting, even from a lemonade stand and up, do it in a different way. Try it out, fail and learn lessons, break out into the world. So 
you know, we've interviewed people who have worked in sub-Saharan Africa, who do video editing, who are mathematicians, economists, yeah, some business majors and people with degrees in foreign policy, but get out there and learn life experiences, meet people from all different walks of life, see how people live, different perspectives that people have in different parts of the world, which might be across the world, or it might just be a few minutes down the street where you hadn't really hung out before. Did you spend your spring break in Cancun or did you spend it in a refugee camp or in some, on some interesting cultural exchange? I mean, you know, get out and have those experiences. Break out of your bubble. Not the Cancun experiences, I'm guessing. <laughs> Not. I mean, if you want to enjoy your life at some way, that's fine. But make sure you just have enough other interesting experiences so that you're learning and, and aren't too insulated. I would also think, especially if you want to get in into the coffee industry where it's grown, mm -hmm. speaking other languages as you yes. do would be super important life experiences to cultivate. Yeah, that's a very good point. So I was actually told and my parents were told, believe it or not, in middle school that I was not going to speak Spanish. It was just not for me. And now I speak it fluently. I have lived in Nicaragua, in Spain, in Guatemala, and worked, you know, I would say now it's going on the bigger part of my career has been using Spanish rather than not. And so don't get depressed if you think that you're not great at languages. Learn the basis of the language, but then go somewhere where you're practicing it all the time. And that's what's really going to let you be fluent. So learn the grammar in school and then study abroad, spend summers abroad somewhere where you can practice whatever the language is that you want to be learning. Nowadays, if you can't travel right now, do it virtually, go online, have friends across the world in different groups where you can practice and just speak. Love it. And actually, I can speak from firsthand experience. There's yet another way that you can learn a language and practice it. In my case, I studied Mandarin in college and did my junior year abroad in Taiwan and then lived in China twice after I graduated from school. And I am now practicing Mandarin using the app Duolingo, which oh, you yeah. can do for free. And it is addictive. I mean, I yeah. love it. I'm doing it every morning for like 25 minutes and I plan on learning Spanish that way. So there are all different ways. That you and then can you can come volunteer on our farm after that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I love that. I love come that whole idea. Oh my God. Say no more, Ben. Say no <laughs> more. All right. So hopefully this is an easy question for you. Yep. What is the best part for you, Ben, of being in this industry, of being in this profession? The best part is our ability to make a positive impact. That's the best part of being in this whole coffee world. That doesn't mean that everybody does have a positive impact and there aren't enough people having a positive impact. So for people choosing careers in coffee, I would suggest sticking to your ideals and trying to make your way into a position where you can have a positive impact, even if you don't feel like you're having it at first. So in our farming group, we're making a positive impact all the time. When roasters choose to work with us, they're making a positive impact through their buying decisions. And for those of you who aren't going to get into the coffee world, if you drink a cup of coffee in the morning, just think about where you're getting that coffee. That decision alone, whether it be a few cents because you're making it home or whether it be a few dollars you spend on the coffee, that 
is affecting people's lives and it's affecting the environment where you get that coffee. So source it ethically. Important message. All right, the flip side, Ben, and I'm guessing there are so many challenges Mm -hmm. because of the kind of work that you are doing. What is the part of your current job as the founder, president, and CEO of Gold Mountain Coffee Growers that sucks the most? I would say the most challenging part is seeing people around us in Nicaragua with a very, you know, the economy was doing somewhat better, relatively speaking, but it's still the second or third poorest country in the hemisphere. But seeing people around us who are not part of our farming group, who are really suffering because of endemic poverty. So just before the pandemic, I went to the garbage dump to throw away our trash from the farm. There were fights, Andrea, over our trash. No joke. People were almost punching each other to get our trash. And then some other people came up and asked for jobs. And so seeing the people who we can't empower, you know, we're having a big impact for a lot of people, I would say for thousands of people, but it's not enough. There's more work to be done. So it's not just the coffee supply chain. It's the supply chain for oranges, for passion fruit, for a million other things that Nicaragua produces and that other countries produce. So we need more driven, positive impact making people out there in a whole bunch of different jobs. That's where it's challenging to see the limits of what we can do. Oh, my God. What a story, Ben. All right. Three final espresso shots. Mm -hmm. What's the best career advice you've ever gotten? The best career advice I've ever received was from someone who unfortunately passed away now. Before that, they said to me, let me think about that. So you become a CEO or even if you're just starting out and someone asks you something that maybe you're not comfortable with or maybe you feel that you don't yet have enough information to answer or you know, to make the best decision, then just say, let me think about that. I'll get back to you. And do be timely with that. But even just another five minutes to a little bit of research or a day to think about it will lead you to make a much better decision. What's that expression about it's best to remain quiet and there's something, something, something than to open your mouth and remove all doubt? (laughs) Yes. Yeah, I know what you mean. What's that first part? It's like it's best to remain quiet and maybe be thought a fool Mm -hmm. than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So true. So I think that's kind of what that person was saying or just, yeah, yeah, you don't have to respond right Mm -hmm. away. Right. Sometimes we're so anxious to just get things done and move on to the next thing and answer someone quickly and feel pressure. But it's important to sometimes just step back and make sure that we're making the best decisions. Great advice. Two final espresso shots. What movies, if any, or Netflix, Amazon, Hulu shows, Ben, or books, do you think accurately depict your profession? They're, first of all, come be part of a movie and come make one on social media with us in Nicaragua (laughs) if anyone wants to. And then it will shed more light, but also cause you to ask more questions and want to learn more because you could spend an entire lifetime learning about the coffee supply chain. But two of them that show different sides of the coffee world are one is called a film about coffee and 
it goes to Coffee Origins and shows a snapshot of some of the work that goes on at Origin in coffee farming and preparing coffee for export. You could also go onto our Instagram at GoldMTN Coffee and see a lot of the same types of work because we're showing you know what we're doing daily in Nicaragua. And then at the other end of the spectrum, there's a documentary called Barista and I don't know if you ever saw, there was another documentary about spelling bees that showed all the pressure on these students. And yeah. Barista is kind of an insight into this whole other culture, this subculture that exists with coffee. And people don't realize that coffee is people's lives for a lot of people. And you know, some people think about being a barista as, oh, you're a barista and then something else. But then there are other people who say, I know this is my career. I want to be a barista or coffee is important to me. And even if I'm not a barista my whole life, I take it very seriously and the taste of the coffee and the way I prepare it and their whole competitions. There are these, the World Barista Competition, which starts out with a series of regional and national competitions. And so the movie Barista, it's a documentary, takes people on that journey and shows them this whole other world of specialty coffee and, and coffee competitions that's out there right below our noses, literally. Mm. We'll make sure to include links to both of those films. But yeah, they're great. I wish I had been involved in that film about coffee to maybe mm -hmm. help them with coming up with a slightly more creative title. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm sure. Yes. No, I don't mean to diss them. I'm sure there's a uh, logic behind that. Because yeah, some understatement. <laughs> because <laughs> they're saying, oh, a film about coffee. There's so much that goes into it. So yeah, I think they're trying to use understatement. But I mean, you could have a 10-part George Byrne series documentary about coffee. And they, they try to sum it up probably less than two hours. And they do a pretty great job. But you could spend a lifetime filming coffee. Oh, my goodness. Well, I'm not going to spend my lifetime doing that. But maybe somebody <laughs> out there will yep. want to. And yep. I definitely am going to check out that film. Yep. Final espresso shop. Mm -hmm. What would Java junkies be surprised to learn about your profession, Ben? Some people know this and some don't, but there are a lot of certifications for coffee. And unfortunately, what we see on the ground, living, sleeping on coffee farms all the time is that many certifications have very weak auditing standards and don't live up to what people think they do. So just because you have a certification slapped on your coffee cup or bag or you know where you're buying the coffee doesn't mean that you're having a positive impact. So you can get around that and still have a positive impact by asking the roasters, the companies, you know, write to them, call them, ask them if you're in a shop and just read up on their website about the relationships they have with the families and the communities that produce their coffee. Something else surprising along that same line is that there are Q graders, which are basically sommeliers for wine, but for coffee and for coffee quality. So I'm a Q grader and I'm into this whole world that's part of that movie we just talked about, Barista. And there's this whole culture on the tasting notes and coffee. But you know, for us in Gold Mountain Coffee Growers, it's about what we achieve with that quality and fighting poverty and improving the environment through coffee quality. So that's why we're obsessed with coffee. And I encourage people to dig into those different aspects in order to make sure that they're having a positive impact simply by drinking coffee in the morning. What a perfect note not too acidic, not too fruity <laughs> for us. Balanced. Very balanced 
to end on, Ben. I want to thank you so incredibly much for making time for coffee today with me and the T4C community. Of course. As somebody who surrounds herself in an aura of the delicious aroma of coffee morning, noon, and night, I learned something in this interview. I know that our young listeners will have learned so much from this interview, and I just have so much admiration and respect for what you are doing with Gold Mountain Coffee Growers. Thank you so much, Andrea. We really appreciate it. And thanks to everyone who drinks our coffee. Thanks so much for listening to Time for Coffee, where the professionals in the jobs that most interest you always have time to grab coffee 24-7, no matter where you live. I have one quick favor to ask you. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to Time for Coffee. Thanks so much.